Good morning, folks. My name is Marcel Laporte. I am uh, I'm on staff here today. Well, today, I'm on staff every day. <laughs> Seems like, right? <laughs> so um, my name is Marcel Laporte, and I am the facilities director here at Community Covenant Church. Big fancy name, right? I used to call it the gopher. Go for this, go for that. Yeah. They changed it to facilities director. <laughs> so... Um, you might be wondering why I have a chicken McNuggets here. It's not full. That's for later. We'll get into that. But um, we just, I just want to welcome you folks here. Um, we welcome any guests that we have. Um, the Bibles that you have in your seats, uh, if you want to take one home, you're more than welcome to take one home. If you know somebody that needs a Bible, maybe you've been witnessing to somebody at your job, and this would be a great opportunity to grab this. And hey, this is a gift from my church, okay? So, I'm going to tell you a little story about um, this teaching. This teaching is, is, is a unique teaching because um, when I was asked to fill in, when the baton came my way for the 29th of January, which is today, it's been on my calendar for a while, um, I, at first I said, no, nah, I'm not quite ready for that. And then um, I says, well, hold on a second. Let me think. Let me pray. And, and one person came to mind, and it was Paul Boyce. And everybody knows Paul Boyce, right? Yeah, if you don't know Paul Boyce, uh, it's, it, yeah, everybody knows him. He, he sits in the back. He's, he's a former elder, um, always an elder, right? You know, once an elder, always an elder. But he had these wonderful, oh, I, I wanted to grab one of those cards, but it's all right. He had these uh, business cards made up of seven principles, or seven points, seven sayings. I just call them seven nuggets. Um, and they, they were very impressive to me. I said, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, and then he had a little outline to go with it and an explanation and almost like a commentary and scripture verses. So I said to him, I said, man, I says, this is so good, Paul. When are you gonna get up and preach on this? You know, this was back in a day where, you know, we didn't have a lot of different people up speaking. So he says, ah, oh, probably never be that guy. And I says, you know what, Paul? And I said this half kiddingly. I says, if I ever get up there and preach, I, I, that's what I'm going to do. Okay? So <laughs> I ate my words. <laughs> so here I am. And, and, and it's just such a beautiful principle of um, seven nuggets. Now, <clears throat> unlike these nuggets, anybody knows what these are? We have kids in the room. You guys getting hungry? It's empty. I, I ate three of them. My wife ate, no, I ate four of them. My wife ate three of them. So I bought this just for a display. I wanted it to be nice and greasy and, and a little grease in there, right? So these nuggets go down easy. Don't they? Aren't they tasty? You know, I don't eat this stuff much. So when I, you know, when I'm on the road, like McDonald's or one of these joints, you know, it's like, it's great, you grab that thing. But you know what, once these suckers hit this, and then this, and then start going south, they're not that good. <laughs> you know, they're really not that good. So, <laughs> it is what it is. And there's only six of them, but I have seven nuggets here. Now these nuggets that I'm gonna speak about is, these kinda don't taste good coming in sometimes. You know, because they have something to do with sharpening us, something to do with forming us, and something to do with um, changing us, and 
prompting us to do things God's way. So these aren't as good as these going down, but when they do go down and they go south, they edify, okay? So these are lifetime principles that can only really fully be achieved by God working in our lives and being in community with other believers, okay? The importance of other believers um, for these nuggets. And I'm gonna just name them off to you really quick, just so you get a, um, a frame of reference of what they are. So, number one, God first in everything. Treat everyone with respect. Let no one offend you. Fight the right battles. Never make decisions out of fear. Keep everything in open hands. Always lean into God and the church. And you've seen, you, most likely some of you have seen the little business cards that Paul had printed out we got a sleeve of them, and you're more than welcome to take several of them home, put them in your wallet, put them on your refrigerator. They're great sayings. I've got one in my car, I've got one in my office, I've got one everywhere. And I, I look at them, and, I, and I, I, you know, I pray about certain things. And there's seven of them, which is kind of cool, because if you wanted, throughout the new year, you could take one a day and go, you know what, on Monday I'm going to put God first and everything. I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to see where I'm lacking in that area. And then... Maybe the next day I'll do treat everyone with respect. Okay? So these are um, lifeline, lifetime principles that can only fully be achieved by God working in our lives and being in community with other believers. Um, we're not lonely, um, you know, saying no man is an island. We're not island people, you know? It's great to go away on a mountaintop with God and you and Jesus and your Bible and prayer time and quiet time. But where God does his finest work is with everyone that's around you. Because God uses his body to shape you, to build you, to encourage you, to promote you. Now these principles are interesting because if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you know, some of these principles will still benefit you. Because some of them, they're really practical things. So you can walk out of here and at least learn something. So... But to fully benefit from it, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, we're all a work in progress, so we've got to remember that. This is not any condemnation of us or anyone. This is the fact that we're all a work in progress, and we're all different levels. You know, I can't look at my brother and say, you should be up here by now. I don't know what his history is. I don't know what his past is. I don't know what he went through you know, yesterday or today. So we're all a work in progress. The first and the seventh um, nuggets principally are primarily vertical or God-focused. So they basically, it's kind of sandwiched in the middle of man and community focus. Okay, you'll see that when you, when you get the little nugget card. So the first principle is God first in everything. God first in everything, there it is. As like Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Luke 22:42. Commit everything to and make decisions in light of God. That's another point. Include God in every decision. Don't act first, then pray. See, what I tend to do a lot is I'll go do things and then I'll pray. You know, I'm sure we're all in the same boat, you know. 
Um, don't act for us then, pray. Why don't we pray for us? Maybe God doesn't want us to go a certain direction. Now, all these things are easier said than done, right? It's so easy to say these things. It's so easy to blurt out the seven principles. But it says, put God first in everything. And everything means what? Right. It gets very dry up here when you're speaking. Okay, so Matthew 6.31. And um, we do have the New Living Translation Bible, and I have a page number if you're apt to look at it. Um, I don't look at it because it's way too small, but, and it's too dark, but that's another story. But it says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. I've got a bonus nugget that I stuck in here. Just yesterday, a bonus. We have a bonus, right? My bonus nugget is don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about yesterday. And you know how everybody talks about the good old days? Everybody wants to go back to the good old days. I, I'm on Facebook. I say, I see people, they go, oh, the good old days. This was better. The music was better. The cars were better. My life was better. Everything was better in the good old days. They miss today. And the principle, the nugget is, Today is tomorrow's good old days, right? You want to have good old days? Work on today. Don't worry about yesterday. So it's fun to go back there and like, yeah, the good old days. I, I got old pictures of like I see myself with hair and stuff, the good old days. You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I can't worry about that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. All right, number two. Um, principle, nugget, not this one. Treat everyone with respect. I love the saying from Albert Einstein. I speak to everyone in the same way, whether he is the garbage man or the president of the university. Can you imagine being able to, to be that kind of a person where everybody is on the same level? You know, we, we tend to look at, oh, that, that person's important. I get a, you know, whatever. That person has money. Another, another quote is, respect was invented to cover the empty place where love should be. That was Leo Tolstoy. Tolstoy, easy for me to say. Inve uh, respect was invented to cover the empty places where love should be. Sometimes love can't be everywhere, but respect can be everywhere, okay? And this is the main reason why we respect everyone is because everyone is created in the image of God. God created everyone in his image. Just think about that. When you insult someone, you're insulting God. If you insult yourself, if you don't give yourself respect, you're insulting God, okay? Respect should be more than mere politeness. It should include honor. Okay, it's, it's not enough to just get, be polite to someone. Sure, that's a good little start. But how about lifting people up and honoring people? That's respect. Lack of respect makes it hard to love. 
And I love the scripture. Um, love never fails, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. And, and the principle here is love never fails, but you know, sometimes it doesn't, fru- it doesn't come into fruition because we may love, I mean, we don't, it doesn't go anywhere. That person doesn't receive it. But I think when the Bible talks about love never fails, I think what, I think what Paul's saying here is that love is not going to fail me because I'm the subject loving the object. Okay, I'm not going to be failing. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. So love will never fail me, okay? And it will always be done in a loving way, and it might not reach its target, but it will not fail me. When love is unsuccessful because it gets rejected, then you just have to apply respect. Um, what, What I like about respect, it's reasonable, reasonable and it's not costly it doesn't really cost us a lot to respect people you know it's it's just something that we can do it's not like you have to you know have money you you don't have to have prestige you don't have to have a nice car you don't have to you know be important anybody can respect anyone so where am I it's not costly Okay, respect will benefit you more than you can think. This is very important. Um, you can end up with friends. How many people walk around? I, I hear people, I have no friends. Nobody likes me. Uh, nobody likes me. I have no friends. Well, did you ever try respecting people? And then you, see, and then you go to the restaurant with them, and they're, they're ordering the waitress around like she's a slave. It's like, no, of course you don't have friends, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> Who wants to be that friend, you know? It's like, respect will benefit you more than you can think. Friends, promotion. How about promotion? You know, promotion a lot of times in business and in areas of life, it's going to go to the person who has respect. It's not going to, because that person has character. That person can be trusted. That person gives honor where honor is due, okay? It's not necessarily the person that has the most qualifications, Respect will benefit you by giving you peace of mind. You know, you can go to bed at night and think of your day and say, you know what? I was respectful to people today, you know? And you'll have a sweet sleep, you know, if you didn't eat pizza before you went to bed. And you know what respect will do? It'll also make us seem more intelligent. It will. So this does not mean trusting or liking everyone. You don't have to trust or like everyone. Some, actually, some people may be dangerous for you and your family. Okay? Learn to love them from a distance and respect them at the very least. Don't, that doesn't mean to allow yourself to be in abusive situations. Don't be a punching bag. Wives, if you have an abusive husband, you're not a punching bag. That's not respect by staying there. You've got to find a way to rectify that, to fix that. What are some examples of respect and disrespect? Here's a good one. And I'm kind of guilty of this a lot, but not excessively, but how about constantly being late? Huh? How about constantly being late? I know people that are constantly, if they're not a half hour early, they're late. I hate those people. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Especially when I invite them to my house, it's like, I'm not ready. I'm, 
my wife says, you better get in a shower before they come. I'm like, oh, what time are they coming? Five. I'm like, okay, it's 4.30. And they're here. I'm like, that's not right. That's not respect. <laughs> but anyways, being constantly late is, is, is a sign of disrespect. It's disrespectful to the person that you're meeting or you Now, I receive we're, al we're always going to have opportunities where we're late. Things happen. We know that, okay? Uh, here's an example of disrespect. Not acknowledging someone's presence. Someone's talking to you and you're looking over there. And you're looking over there. It's very disrespectful, right? You, don't you feel like that person don't care for me? They didn't care for me at all. Here's a good one. Something as simple as putting back the shopping cart at the grocery store. How many people don't do that? And you get a nice windstorm. I don't care. I get an old pickup truck. I, I just park it anywhere. I'd rather block it for the nice cars, you know. But um, I, I've, I, I heard a message once, and it, the, the guy challenged me to start putting my shopping cart back. And he says, he says something to the effect of, like, what, are you going to get a little exercise? I'm like, yeah, what's wrong with that? You know, it's like, great. So you put the shopping cart back, you get a little exercise, you did something good. So I upped it a little bit. So now when I walk into the store, I look for shopping carts to kind of bring in there while I'm walking in. So, you know, it's just little things that I do to help me try to res be respectful. Um, 1 Peter 1, 2, 17 says, Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Now, we don't have kings, but res respect your leaders. Respect your leaders. <clears throat> now, here's, here's, I want to have a little game of make-believe. Now, we all know how to make-believe, but children are very good at make-believe, right? Children play make-believe all the time. Make-believe this, make-believe that. Make-believe this, Santa Claus. No, there is Santa Claus. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Make believe you were good, and you got more. Right, anyways, let's play a game of make believe. This is this is going to be fun because we're going to have to really concentrate on 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 making believe of some of these things. So here it is. Just make believe. I don't hear it. Right, I think we're there. We're concentrating. We're gonna make believe. We, we have to make believe for this one because this one is practically impossible. Let's make believe that, ready? Everyone in Washington, D.C. respected each other. Can you hear me, Washington, D.C.? So we have to make believe about that, right? Let's make believe or let's imagine what the world would look like if everyone followed the respect principle. Imagine what the world would look like if everyone respected everyone. Where would we be? Imagine what the church would look like if everyone followed this principle. Imagine where we would be as a church. I don't think there'd be enough seats to, um, to, to there'd be people wanting to come in, you know? They'd be in the back, down the driveway. Imagine what I would look like if I lived in the respect principle all the time. I, I just love what Greg Caruso says when he speaks of his wife. Um, he says, she deserves more than me. And that's true. That's true about all of us. 
My children deserve more than what I give. My wife deserves more than what I give. My church deserves more. My world, my community deserves more. So that big one, let's, expect, let's make believe everyone in Washington respected each other. Red, blue, left, right. That would be amazing. Imagine what could get done. Imagine where we could be. You don't have to compromise your beliefs. It doesn't mean that you have to not believe certain things or not lean certain ways. That's fine. That's all well and good. You should have a stance on certain things. But we should be able to respect people in that process. Okay, number three. I love this one. Let no one offend you. And we're going to watch a short movie clip of an instance of offense. And here it comes. Kids, don't try this at home. Now, the funny thing about that, that's, we had to blurp up a little bit more. It was funny words towards the end anyways. We didn't want to hear those. But um, these guys really liked each other. I mean, and if you watch the whole movie, they actually loved each other, and they lived next to each other. But they had, they were, they had a principle of being offended, and it was over a woman, like maybe 30, 40 years before that. She probably was long, long gone. And they just kept grudges. Imagine that. They just kept grudges. So let's look, let's look at some of the things, um, some examples of Jesus. Jesus was angry. He was disappointed and frustrated, but he was never offended. We can be angry, disappointed, and frustrated with people and still love and not be offended. 1 Timothy 2.24 says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. And this quote, I love this quote. If you are on a continuous search to be offended, 
you will always find what you're looking for, even when it's not there. Some people are not happy without a chip on their shoulder. Do you know any pe people that just need to be offended all the time? Everything offends them. You've got to watch every word. You've got to parse your words. You can't say it this way. It might take it that way. How many people miss out on tremendous blessings by holding grudges and not talking to someone for years? I know people that haven't spoken with their brother or their sister, and sometimes legitimately, but a lot of times just out of petty, petty, petty stuff, like, like the example in the movie. And the blessings that they've missed out on, the opportunities in, in times of friendship and fun and just enjoyment that they missed out on. It's, it's, it's just sad. We will be offended, but it mostly depends on us and how we handle it. It mostly depends on us and how we handle it. A little short story. Um, I was going into a restaurant. It might have been the grist mill years and years and years ago. And I don't even know all the details. But I remember it was pouring rain like buckets, sideways, windy. And I think it was summer. I mean, I literally got soaked. And we're running in there to get, to get a seat. And I was kind of offended. I was wet. I'm like, you know, I'm wet. I'm all soaked. They got the AC on full blast. I'm freezing. You know that feeling. And I look out the window, and I see the duckies on the pond. They weren't offended. They loved it. They were having a great time. They weren't offended by the rain, and the rain was going sideways. And, and that's, the kind of, that's the kind of believers we should be, the storms of life, the, the rain, the the things that come our way, just roll off our back a little bit, you know? Don't take everything so seriously. Don't think of yourself so highly. Don't think of myself so highly. How's that? So, being hurt often leads to being offended, which leads to vengeance, bitterness, and cynicism. A lot of cynic people. Some people haven't been to a church because something happened 20 years ago. They haven't They've missed out on God's blessing. And then they, you wonder why they're miserable. They, they tell you how miserable their life is. But they're cynic. They don't want to come back because they got hurt. Somebody said something. They treated me this way. Always remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in unseen worlds, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are fighting a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. Number four, as I'm moving along here, number four principle, fight the right battles. I love this one. This is a good one too. Because not every battle we face is beneficial. There's nothing wrong with fighting the right things. Okay? There's something wrong if you never fight a battle. Just think... If you never have to fight a battle in your life, you think, oh, I have so much peace. You are probably so passive. I am probably so passive not having to fight a battle. That means I let everything go. That's not good, okay? Some battles will leave us wounded and powerless. You only have so much ammunition for the battles of life, so choose them wisely, okay? You only have so much ammunition. You know, we think we can uh, pick a fight here and pick a fight here, pick a fight here, and, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's like we run out of energy. We don't even have that energy. I, I, I love, you know, this, I don't like talking about war, but there are just wars that we try to get involved in. 
And a country will not go pick a fight with another country if their arsenal is this big and they just have like um, a plastic boat and, uh, you know, a little tank, you know? So the principle of pick the right battles and consider your ammunition that you have, okay? Um, consider timing when engaging in a must battle, okay? And here's a good example. Sometimes, you know, being married, you, um, you and your wife have these little disagreements or she thinks something should go one way, you think it should go the other way. Um, sometimes there's going to be some correction or some, some sort of adjustment made in how we do things. And the worst time for a wife or a husband to jump on each other is when they come home from work, okay? How many times you, you come home from work, you're tired, you, you know, it's like, I just need to unwind a little bit, you know, and maybe walk in the yard a little bit. Then let's sit down and we can hash out some of these differences. A lot of times what happens is people, they jump on each other right away. And it's like, it's a whole night of battling. That's, that's not good. So consider timing when you ha must have a battle. Fight your f battles fairly. Fairly. Don't be a street fighter. Never insult, always respect. Always fight in order to make right. That's a good one, okay? So if we go to a war with a country, and we, supposedly we fight to make right. And, and then what we do is we provide healing afterwards. So if you get in a battle with someone, whether you win or lose, just provide healing afterwards. That's a good, that's a good way to, to, to fight a battle, okay? A good example of a right, just battle was Jesus overturning the money tables, Matthew 12, uh, 21, 12. Okay, fifth, never make decisions out of fear, okay? Now, that doesn't mean don't fear God. There's scriptures to say fear God, reverence God. Fearful decisions will keep, will keep you from a full, rich, abundant life. Every adventure has an element of fear, danger, and discomfort. Some fear is good and essential. The right kind of fear is a gift from God. Okay? Some fears can't be controlled or just managed. So you, some, some, like somebody who's afraid of heights. It's like, yeah, you're not supposed to make a, a decision out of fear. Well, I'm afraid of heights. Don't go on the ladder, please. You know, that's a legitimate fear. You know, you don't have to be ashamed of that. That's okay. All right? Um, God has given us... Um, the principle of flight or fight or flight. Very easy for me to say. And, and God designs body changes that take place in our body that help us. So if I'm walking in uh, the Appalachian Trail in Maine and I see a big black bear, you know, and I'm going to like, oh, I can't make a decision out of fear. I'm going to just keep walking. No, I'm going to run. I'm going to do whatever I have to do, okay? That's, that's not what that means. Um, how about this guy? The guy's playing, playing golf in a thunderstorm. I don't care. I'm trusting God. Well, you know what? You'll be with him tonight. <laughs> right? <laughs> the Bible mentions fear 365 times. 365 times. What does that remind you of? One a day? Is that like a one a day? So just to keep that in mind. Number six, we're moving along. I'm in the negative part of the uh, time clock, yeah, but that's okay. We got till three o'clock. <laughs> Keep everything in open hands. 
The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Job 1.21. Your hand won't get broken when God gives or takes away. Okay, I'm going to do like a little hand coin thing. This is kind of cool. This is what I do. I have these coins in my hand. And God wants to give me this. Well, that's a lot, right? But I like these. So God's going like, like, yeah, take this. And I'm like, no, I, I like these. They're shiny. I'm used to these. These are the ones that you gave me a long time ago. God's like, no, I want to give you these. Like, he can't give me these unless he does this, you know, or I open my hand, and then he gives me this, okay? And that's the principle of keeping everything in open hands. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away, Job 121. Philippians 3.8 says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite knowledge, value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ. Only God can fill in, God can only fill an open hand and we hold on to the less, the less, to keep out the greatest, Okay? And that could, I'm not, I'm just using money, that could be talent, all kinds of stuff. And I love this principle. The Bible talks about us being hidden in the hand of God. Okay? And I have, a, um, I have a five grandsons. We had one boy, and I have five grandsons. And this is the second youngest. And I asked him to draw a picture of a hand with a person in it. So his name is Kayim. He's handsome, he, 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 looks, he's, he takes his, mother's, his grandmother's looks and his grandfather's brains. That's what, I, that's what I tell all my grandchildren. They're all good looking, they, they take after their grandmother, but they're, they're all intelligent, they take after their grandfather. And they believe me, okay? So he did this drawing, which is, I like this drawing, this is kinda cool. He did this in like maybe 30 seconds. I just wanted, I says, draw a hand, Put a stick figure in there, because I want to do a demonstration, and I want to use you. His name is Kayim. Uh, he'll, he'll be giving autographs afterwards. I don't know if he's here. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, the principle is, is that God holds us in his hand. He doesn't hold us like, like this. And, oh, oh, I dropped you. Oh, I'm sorry about that, you know. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Okay? So, God has a hand, okay? Um, it's kind of a weird concept because God's spirit, and he has a hand, he has an ear, he has an eye. That's, uh, I want to sh share one big word of the day. So you kids, when you go back to school, you can be impress your teachers and your friends, and the word is anthropomorphism, okay? Can you say that? No, of course you can't say that. That's fine. And what it means is God relates to us in human terms. God relates to us in human terms. And it comes from the two Greek words, anthropos, man, and morphe, form. Therefore, an anthropomorphism is when God or any, um, it was used of um, any, un, any unhuman-like creature or person or creation, when God appears to us or manifests himself to us in human form and even attributes himself human characteristics, we see this all over the Bible and rightly so. After all, we cannot ascend to where God is, but he can descend to where we are. We are not just in the hand on the surface. We are ingrained inside his hand like an implant. So that picture of that hand, 
God doesn't just have us on the surface. He's, I think of it like, not like a splinter. I'm kind of like a splinter because he wants to always pull me out. But uh, like, he's got you ingrained like, a, like an implant, okay? So it, he, can't, he can't get rid of us even if, he, even if he wanted to. We're in his hand. Um, last but not least is always lean into God in the church. This is a really good one. At all times, especially in times of conflict, misunderstanding, embarrassment, failures, etc. Always lean into God and, and the church. When everything in you wants to run, don't. Just sit down, pray, and seek community instead. Call somebody that is in your small group. Call somebody you trust. Hebrews 13.5, the Amplified says, He has said, I will never under any circumstances desert you, nor give you up. Nor give, yeah, you give you up, nor leave you without support. Nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Nor will I forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So the principle here is never ever give up on the big C church. Not the little church we're in, but the church of God. The church is God's only way of still being present as if Christ was still here in the flesh. You realize Jesus is still here in the flesh, and we're looking at it. We're looking at it. You look at each other that knows Christ. You're in union with Christ. That's Jesus here in the flesh. Uh, we've heard many times that God, God doesn't have a plan B. He really doesn't. He really doesn't have a plan, plan B. Every local or small C church is made up of broken people on a journey that are being built and repaired by a Jewish carpenter who is very skillful with his tools. Just think of that a little bit. Jesus is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He created us, okay? He's a, he's a builder. He's a fixer. He's got tools in that tool belt. Sometimes he's got to cut something off. Sometimes he's got to file something. Somebody's got to, sometimes he's got to prop something up. He's got a, a screw gun and nails. And he's, he's, a, he's a master builder. And he's building our lives. He's building the church. He's, he's fixing the things that are broken. He's a fixer. He's a builder. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Well, I just want to say this. The church is the most amazing creation and love of God. And I'm going to end with um, this scripture here. It's 1 Peter 1.12, which I really, really love this scripture. Um, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time of the situation of the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. But they were told that their message, speaking of the prophets, were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you, the church, by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also so wonderful, and this is the point I want to emphasize, that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. The angels, the elect angels, the holy angels that are watching what's going on in the church, this is all a mystery back to the Old, age, uh, old Testament people. And even the angels, they, they're, they're observing grace. They're observing God in action. The concept is 
the holy angels are literally stretching their necks out to observe the grace of God in action regarding the church and the world. It's kind of like going to the uh, Fenway Park and you're in a nosebleed seat and you want to see what's going on on first base and you're looking and you're looking. It's like, oh, who's playing? Did he get him? Did he, is he safe? That's what, the, that's what the angels are doing. They're, they're, they're peering into from the outside of God's grace manifest to the church. Someone said the holy angels are indeed first-class theologians. They know everything about God, but they, are, they don't know much about the mystery of God, the church age. You know, we know about it because it's happening to us. But they, they were there in the incarnation. They were there at the creation. They were there at the fall. They were there. Every, you know, they know everything about God. Matthew Henry says the mysteries of the gospel and the methods of man's salvation are so glorious that the blessed angels earnestly desire to look into them. They are curious, accurate, and industrious in prying into them. They consider the whole scheme of man's redemption with deep attention and admiration, particularly the points, particularly the, points the apostle had been discoursing of, which things the angels desire to stoop down and look, as the cherubim did continually towards the mercy seat. So, that's what the angels are doing, the, the mystery of the church. This is what we're made of, okay? That's why always lean into God in the church because church is really, is really where we're at. It's really God's final plan for the world. So in closing, a couple of big takeaways. These are all lifelong pursuits to wholeness and ultimate redemption. These principles can only be achieved not on our own. We need to utilize the power of the Holy Spirit and the benefit of being in community with other believers. Okay? So just consider if you don't know Christ today, if you have not made that decision, maybe some of this stuff made sense to you. Maybe for the first time you're hearing it. Maybe you're a guest and you just came in, you know, somebody, you're on vacation, you were with family all week or something, and they brought, they dragged you here, you know? Um, this is an opportunity for you to, to, to just take that moment of trust and, and dependence on Christ. And just like, let's just let God know that, that this is making sense to you, maybe for the first time, or maybe a little more than before. And this is an opportunity for you to, to, just, to just say, God, I, I'm a sinner. All I have is unrighteousness, but you have what I need. You have righteousness. You have grace. You have mercy. So just consider that today if, 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 if you're not a follower of Christ. And if you are a follower of Christ today, consider some of these principles. Consider some of the things maybe that weren't as tasty as these guys. They went down a little, you know, didn't taste that good. Let them work in you a little bit. Let, let, them, let them do their work and see what God can bless you with this new year.